Good. My thanks to Laura and Maze and Margaret as we come in our short Advent series to our second study. We're thinking, of course, about Christmas gifts that last. And I guess the vast majority of gifts purchased in our stores and supermarkets this Advent season won't last that long. And so it's important for us to remember the Christmas gift that lasts. Last week, the gift of hope, as Laura said, and uh, today, the gift of friendship. We're reading together from John's Gospel, John chapter 15. Again, not traditionally a, a Christmas or Advent reading, but fits in beautifully with our theme. John 15, 1 through 17. Here, of course, Jesus is speaking, and he makes this extraordinary declaration. I am the vine, true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him... He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Indeed, I have called you friends, for everything that I have learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of God. Let's pray a blessing. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Advent season once again. For the opportunity to focus most especially 
upon what Christ accomplished for us when he came at Christmas time. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come around these scriptures, familiar scriptures without question for those of us who have been on the Christian road for a number of years. But we pray in the name of Jesus that by your Holy Spirit you might come in a new way, refresh our souls, and anoint your word and apply it to our hearts and lives, we ask. Be be pleased to use this human instrument to speak once again something of your profound truth into our hearts and lives. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm sure you, like me, quite enjoy that contemporary hymn by Martin Nystrom. You're my friend. And you are my brother, even though you are a king. I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. Let's face it, friends, there are times when this is difficult to grasp. King Jesus is our Savior and Lord... But equally, King Jesus is our friend and our brother. How wonderful. There's an unwritten rule in pastoral ministry. Never become friends with the people you oversee, (laughs) the people you serve. It's a rule that actually translates into management in general, I guess. Here, however, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, who desires to be our friend. How wonderful that is. He says, verse 15, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. However, brothers and sisters, this morning, please understand, as I'm sure you do, Jesus cannot be our friend unless first he is our Lord. And Jesus cannot be our Lord unless first he is our Savior. And Jesus cannot be our Savior unless first we call out to him in faith. And bless God this morning, in the words of Peter in his sermon in Acts chapter 2, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Three simple thoughts, if I may, concerning the gift of divine friendship. The first thought is this. I want us to consider the command of Jesus. 
That sounds somewhat negative as we think about friendship, doesn't it? But not at all. The command of Jesus. You see, friends, with friendship, there comes responsibility. With friendship, there comes responsibility. Jesus said, verse 12, My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. At Christmas, we celebrate love come down. Love come down from heaven to earth that we might enjoy the gift of divine friendship. This divine friendship is, of course, to be enjoyed. But also, it is to be passed on. Nobody, to my knowledge at least, has ever left a church because they were loved too much. Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) Usually if people drift from church and fall away from a Christian fellowship, it's because they've perhaps been neglected or rejected or judged. Mother Teresa once said, if you spend all your time judging people, there's no time left to love them. It seems to me that we waste a lot of time trying to figure out each other's little idiosyncratic ways. Trying to figure out each other's peculiar foibles. But Jesus' expectation of us this morning is not that we understand each other, but that we love each other. And love each other with the love that he has given us. Remember our Lord's earlier Exhortation in John chapter 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Oftentimes, sadly, we make our love towards each other, uh, dependent upon something else, maybe dependent, dependent upon an understanding, or dependent upon how we might be received or, or embraced, or we put some kind of terms of reference to our love. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. That's not his expectation of us. We love each other as he loved us. And he loves us unconditionally. And so unconditionally, we are to love each other. He loves us in spite of ourselves. And therefore, in spite of ourselves, we must love each other. Now I know that doesn't come natural. But the love of Christ is not natural. It's a divine love. It's that agape love that that comes from, from the throne of God. 
Jesus knows all about Doug Atherton this morning. He knows all about my faults. He knows all about my fables, my idiosyncratic ways, my particular foibles. And yet, my friends, he loves me unconditionally. Now, if Jesus can love me and embrace me as his friend, then surely in Christ, I can love you guys. And arguably, also, you can love me. As the recipients of the divine love of God in Christ, the agape love of God, the command of Jesus, as we benefit from his friendship is... As I have loved you, as I have made you my friends, so you must love each other. My prayer this Christmas season is that we, Coid Penmine Community Church, might be known as a fellowship of love. So the command of Jesus... Because with fellowship, there comes responsibility. And then secondly, we have the celebration of Jesus. Because with friendship, there comes festivity. Notice verse 11, Jesus says, I have told you this, that my joy might be in you, and that your joy might be complete. Hallelujah. I wonder... Is that us? Is our joy on this second Sunday in Advent 2017, is it complete? Hmm. At Christmas we celebrate the joy of Jesus. In his epistle, Peter, 1 Peter 1, 8, in the authorized, I prefer it, he says, he, he says this joy of Jesus is joy unspeakable. <laughs> it's joy full of glory. Wow. It's a joy that lightens our path, even though the snow might fall outside. It's a joy that strengthens our way. It's a joy that banishes fear and ambiguity from our hearts and lives. It's a joy that is complete because of our divine friendship. I wonder, how often do we find in the daily routines and the common tasks of life and living this kind of joy? Not often. If at all. However, our friendship with Jesus brings joy. I love that hymn of Isaac Watts, a a famous carol now. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. If our joy today depends upon securing that uh, that special purchase in the supermarkets and maybe get a few pound off to boot, then our joy is incomplete. 
If our joy is this morning dependent upon the affairs of this world, then our joy will be incomplete. But if our joy depends on Jesus, then that joy is complete. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Heaven and nature sing. S.D. Gordon, a New Testament scholar. Very, read very little these days because he's quite difficult to read, but uh, worth persevering. He says, joy is distinctively a Christian word and a Christian thing. Now, many will take exception to that, but I agree with them entirely. You see, I see many people at Christmas time enjoying themselves, inverted commas, having a, a sense of happiness. But you see, happiness, interesting word, it comes from a Latin word uh, where the preposition hap means by chance. So happiness is something that's enjoyed by Chance. And ostensibly, if something is not happening around us, then we're not happy. That's why I agree with Gordon. He says, joy is distinctively Christian. You see, there's nothing by chance about it. Because joy depends on a person. A person is Jesus. And so it's sad, isn't it, at Christmas to see people enjoying themselves, having a happy time. But you and I both know that when those times pass, as they invariably will, then their lives aren't filled with joy. They are often filled with despair, with sorrow, with, with, with vanity. How sad is that? But our joy, because of our friendship, depends upon Jesus. Gordon goes on, happiness is the result of what happens with an an agreeable sort, he says. Joy has its springs deep down inside the child of God. And that spring never runs dry, no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy, he says. He had joy singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. Isn't that amazing? Jesus had joy singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. This, friends, is joy complete. Even though we walk the valley of the shadow of suffering, or of sorrow, or of ambiguity, or of, or of difficulty, this joy is complete. Because it depends upon Jesus. The world likes to think that it knows something about how to party. (laughs) I think not. I've seen the world and the partying. And I've seen what happens the morning after the night before. Haven't you? Nothing joyous about watching someone having their head down the toilet pan hour after hour because of the so-called partying. But joy depends on Jesus. 
And Jesus has made a promise to those whom he calls friends. His promise is, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And so as his promises, so is his joy. Because if Jesus is with me today, and I have his joy, because he's with me, so he's with me tomorrow. And so equally, I have his joy. And I know it's Monday tomorrow, and Mondays are not usually joyful days per se, but Jesus is with me tomorrow as he is today, as he was yesterday. Joy. You see, it's complete, because it depends upon the most dependable person on the face of the earth, Jesus. Joy. Paul has a lovely expression in Romans 14. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. Boy, there's going to be much eating and drinking this Christmas season, isn't there? But the kingdom of God is not about these things. The kingdom of God, he says in Romans 14, 17, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The joy of Jesus. So, with the divine friendship, there comes a command. Because with friendship, there comes responsibility. Jesus says, I love you, so you, you love each other. There comes a celebration, because with friendship, there's festivity, the joy of Jesus. And with the divine friendship, there comes, thirdly, the comfort of Jesus. Because with friendship, there comes serenity. Notice in the preceding chapter, John 14 and verse 27, Jesus, he's, he's speaking there in John 14 about the blessed Parakletos, the Holy Spirit. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The comfort of Jesus. At Christmas we celebrate peace on earth. Peace not as the world gives. For let's be honest, that is no peace at all. But the peace of heart and the peace of mind that comes when Jesus by his Holy Spirit resides within. It comes as a consequence of his divine friendship. Christmas for many is a lonely and depressing time. But Jesus promises comfort. He promises consolation for all who trust in him. I'm sure we, every one of us here gathered, have at some point followed Oswald James' devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. I, I follow it regularly. <laughs> It's so full of of spiritual gems that I've barely finished one year and, and I find myself having to delve in a subsequent year. He says, in the midst of the awesomeness of God's presence, a touch comes. And you know that that touch is the right hand of Jesus Christ. 
You know, it is not the hand of restraint, correction, or chastisement, but the right hand of the everlasting Father. Whenever His hand is laid upon you, it gives inexpressible peace and comfort. And the sense that underneath are the everlasting arms of God. Arms full of support. Arms full of provision. Arms full of comfort. Arms full of strength. Hallelujah. Oh, what a salvation this is. To know the divine friendship. For with it comes the serenity, the comfort of Jesus. Late in 1873, Horatio G. Spafford and his family were scheduled to travel from the United States to Europe. Delayed, however, by pressing business, Stafford sent his wife and daughters ahead on the French liner Ville de Harve. The ship, however, collided with the English ship Lochern on the 22nd of November and sank in just 12 minutes. Spafford's wife was saved, but his daughters perished. After arriving in Wales, Mrs. Spafford cabled her husband, simply saved alone. Spafford then left by boat to meet with his wife. And near the tragic scene on the high seas where his daughters perished, he wrote a wonderful hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood. For my soul, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, Lord, Haste the day when my faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Can we comprehend Spafford's despair? Probably not. But can we experience Spafford's comfort? We certainly can. Because we with him can declare 
even in the midst of the valley. It is well. It is well with my soul. Upon hearing the news of Spafford's distress, evangelist D.L. Moody, a friend of Spafford, traveled to England from the United States to comfort him. D.L. Moody later reported that Spafford said a single sentence about all of his tragedy. It is well. The will of God be done. Oh, my friends, what a joy this Christmas to celebrate the gift of divine friendship. With friendship there comes responsibility. It is incumbent upon the child of God to give as we receive. And we are the recipients of so much, are we not? Let us give. Let us love as Christ has loved us. With friendship there comes festivity and we can celebrate. We can party. Because our joy in Jesus is complete. Not fleeting. Not like the spirits of this world, drank one minute and, and brought up the next. Oh no, for the Holy Spirit comes and floods every fiber of our being. Today and forevermore, the joy of Jesus. And with friendship there comes serenity, the peace. The erene. It's a beautiful word in the Greek. If you're a Greek scholar, erene. It's not describing peace that comes as a result of silence. Do you know what I mean? Oh no, it's the inner peace. In other words, there might be chaos outside. But within, there is erene. The peace of God. We might, like Spafford, be going through all manner of trial and temptation. But within the peace of God. All because of divine friendship. If you get the chance at home, spend time in Genesis chapter 18. Verse 17, the Lord says, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? It was, in many ways, a rhetorical question. You see, Abraham enjoyed a friendship with God. In fact, in Second Chronicles 20, verse 7, it is later acknowledged of Abraham that he is, was a friend of God. And because of this friendship, God is reflecting, I, I will hide nothing from Abraham. For he is my friend. I will withhold nothing from Abraham. For he is my friend. How wonderful. God looks down from heaven this morning. Upon this, this motley crew of, 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 of believers. And, and what does he see? Not a motley crew. He 
sees his friends. I will withhold nothing from my friends. For I love them. I will give them my joy, my peace, my love. I will withhold from them nothing, for I love them. That's the friendship we're talking about. It's intimate, isn't it? Friends, are you enjoying that kind of divine friendship with Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, what a salvation this is, says Paul. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, dwelleth in me. And so we end where we began with that beautiful song by Nystrom. You are my friend. And you are my brother. Even though you are the king. Not a king. If I have a criticism, I guess, of, of that verse, he says a king. <laughs> That's my only criticism. Maybe it rhymes better. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is the co-creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the sustainer of all life. He is the author and the perfecter of my faith. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah who has triumphed. He is the one who can withhold my next breath if he so wish. This same Jesus in all of his resplendent glory as he is seated right now at the right hand of the Father on high. This same Jesus is Doug Atherton's friend. Wow. Wow. And that's enough for me. Oh yeah. Though I am buffeted. Though I am tossed back and forth. By the, the, the winds of life. It is enough for me. He's my friend. Nothing nor no one will change that. Today or ever, Jesus, my friend. Let us pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, you came and you gave your life even though you, you knew my sin, my sorrow, my shame. You laid down your life for me, for each of us, for a lost and dying world, that we might call you our friend. This is enough for us, Lord. It's enough for us. When everything else, everyone else, perhaps, fails, abandons us, you never will. 
You are my friend. Thank you for the love, the joy and the peace that is mine this Christmas. That is ours as we celebrate this divine friendship, this Advent season. For those, Lord, known to us that are not enjoying this friendship, in the name of Jesus, reach out to them. Through us, your children. That salvation might come this Christmas season. And we ask it all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.